Welcome to Full Rigor, a Florida true crime podcast. I'm Karen Curtis. And on this episode, I'm going to talk to you about... It is with profound sadness I must share with you directly that our beloved Rush, my wonderful husband, passed away this morning due to complications from lung cancer. 70-year-old Rush Limbaugh, without whom I would not have a job in radio. He is an icon. He was the best in the business, and he will be sorely missed. He lived right here on Palm Beach, about mm, two miles from where I'm recording this podcast. Uh, He also had some problems back in the 90s and the early 2000s with prescription drugs, especially painkillers, OxyContin. He was not alone. Many, many, many Americans fell into this trap, this highly addictive pain pill. In fact, Broward County became a pill mill of sorts. This really was a massive, massive problem. I have a family member who was a doctor, and she got hooked on OxyContin. In fact, a doctor diagnosed her with this horrible pain. She had uh, myocarditis and also hurt her knee. So he put her on 600 milligrams of OxyContin a day. And she stayed on it for 13 years, lost her medical license. I mean, it is just tragic what OxyContin has done to people. But Rush Limbaugh fell into the trap of getting addicted to these pain pills and fell into the trap of doctor shopping. So we'll get into that. This is by no means he died six months ago, and this is not an indictment of him. And this is not a trashing. It is completely, I am empathetic and I understand what he went through, but I wanted you to understand what he went through here in Palm Beach County with the prosecutor because it was pretty intense. So Rush died at the age of 70 and that was his wife, Catherine Rogers, you heard announcing his death on the radio and Limbaugh received, remember the presidential medal of freedom from former President Trump during his last State of the Union address. Russia's irreplaceable, unique. He was a fantastic man, a fantastic talent. People, whether they loved him or not, they respected him. And his whole audience just was mortified when Rush announced this. I have been diagnosed with advanced lung cancer. There are going to be days that I'm not going to be able to be here because I'm undergoing treatment or I'm reacting to treatment. I wish I didn't have to tell you this. And I thought about not telling anybody. I thought about trying to do this without anybody knowing because I don't like making things about me. Well, this podcast is going to be about you, Rush. Well, actually about OxyContin. So from 1996 to 2002, Purdue Pharma pursued nearly every avenue in the drug supply and prescription sales chain to push OxyContin. And starting in the early 1990s, the internal emails and other documents describe Purdue's preparation for the opioids launch in 1996 as a treatment for non-cancer patients with chronic pain. Purdue bought more than $18 million worth of advertising in major medical journals that cheerfully touted OxyContin. Some of the ads federal officials said in 2003 grossly overstated the drug's safety. It was just highly highly addictive, especially when people figured out that if you crushed it, snorted it, or smoked it, it would really give you a nice high. It's a heroin derivative. It's an opioid. Then there were reports of abuse and overdose deaths. 
And Purdue was forced to say that oxycotton pills contain oxycodone, an opioid, as potent as morphine, and maybe more so. Abusers quickly figured out, again, they could crush the pills and snort or inject the dust. Well, in response, Purdue's 2001 marketing budget included funding to help doctors recognize patients who are in need of substance abuse counseling. You think? But as Purdue charged ahead with Oxycontin, prescription pills overtook illegal drugs like heroin and cocaine as killers in Florida. That's according to the medical examiner's files in May of 2002. There were hundreds of deaths in South Florida due to overdoses from these pills, according to autopsies and police records. And then in Broward County, these pill mills popped up where you could just go in and get a prescription. It was ridiculous. They were lining up in the parking lot to get their prescriptions. They would pull their own teeth. They would hurt their own dog in order to get these opioids. It was unbelievable. Florida's pill mills were the gateway to the opioid crisis. People would come from other states to get their pills here in Broward County. The clinic started in the 1990s and began proliferating in about 2003. Their parking lots filled with vehicles from Ohio, Kentucky, West Virginia, all over the country. The customers were drawn by billboards on southbound interstates advertising quick and easy relief for pain. We're a pill mill and we're ready to deal, quote unquote. Also, another radio icon's wife who's 26 years younger than he, Larry King's wife, Sean, got addicted to painkillers. By the way, Larry King started his radio career right here in Miami. My name was Larry Zeiger at the time. It was legally changed later. Now I get to the radio station. It's the morning of my debut. Debut May 1st, 1957. My dream is about to come true. The general manager of the station called me and he said, we're ready for you, Larry. We wish you a great career. What name are you going to use? I said, I got to go on the air in five minutes and I don't have a name. He says, well, and he had the paper open, the Miami Herald, and there was an ad for King's Wholesale Liquors. <laughs> and so he said, why not, why not Larry King? I said, why not? <laughs> so I was Larry King. Now I go into the broadcast booth, picture this. I fade the record, I turn on the mic, nothing comes out. Maybe I just wasn't cut out for it, I'm too scared. And the general manager kicked open the door to the control room. And he said, Larry, this is a communications business, damn it, communicate. <laughs> and he shut the door. And I did something then that I would do today. And I learned something then that I would do today. And that was be honest. I turned on the mic, faded the record, and I said, ladies and gentlemen, good morning. This is my first day on the radio. My name is Larry King. That's the first time I've ever said that. So bear with me. I really want this. I want it to work. So I'm going to do my best. At that minute, I had them and I never, ever again was ever nervous on radio or on television because I learned a simple truth that day. If you're honest with your audience, you can't go wrong. That was Larry King speaking at a commencement in 2011 about how he started his career here in Miami. Only $50. A favorite drop of Neil Rogers, Uncle Neil, another radio icon here in South Florida. I've been doing this a long time. Michelle Greppi, the TV critic for the New York Post, writes, King, pathetic. Pathetic. And I'm going, all right. Yeah. 
By the way, Larry King's wife, 48-year-old Sean, had to go into rehab for painkillers. She was his seventh wife, and then he filed for divorce against her eventually because she apparently cheated on him, and he totally iced her out of the well when he died. It was pretty brutal. But back to OxyContin, I mean, with all the deaths that it was causing, it's amazing that the drug did not kill Rush Limbaugh. And now you've got fentanyl, which is like an elephant tranquilizer. It's so potent. That's what killed Prince because it's in these pills and people don't even know it. So five years after its legal battle with Florida officials, Purdue made a startling admission in federal court in Virginia. The company pled guilty in 2007 to felony charges of misbranding OxyContin with the intent to defraud or mislead. The company paid $600 million in fines and other penalties, and among the deceptions it confessed to was directing its salespeople to tell doctors the drug was less addictive than other opioids. And three Purdue Pharma executives pled guilty to misdemeanor criminal charges for their roles in the marketing scheme. Federal officials estimate the economic cost of the opioid abuse topped $500 billion in 2015 alone. Since 1999, at least 200,000 people have died in the U.S. from these overdoses, according to the CDC. And more than 52,000 of those died in 2015 alone. More than were killed in car crashes and gun homicides combined, according to one lawsuit. Rush Limbaugh program on the excellence in broadcasting network. I cannot tell you how excited I am, how happy I am to be back. So how does Rush Limbaugh fit into all of this? During one of his shows in October of 1995, Rush was quoted as saying, there's nothing good about drug use. We know it. It destroys individuals. It destroys families. Drug use destroys societies. And in 2003 then, news outlets reported that Limbaugh was under investigation for illegally obtaining prescription drugs. He had become an addict himself. Eventually, El Rushbo was charged with a felony by the Palm Beach State attorney who accused him of purchasing hundreds of opioids illegally. He was also accused of doctor shopping, which simply is visiting a bunch of doctors to obtain prescriptions for drugs that would otherwise be illegal. So that doctor shopping charge alleged that Limbaugh obtained overlapping prescriptions from three doctors, one in New York, and two in Palm Beach County without telling each doctor that he was getting it from the other. This is a third-degree felony, and it was punishable, as I said, up to five years in prison. Now, while Limbaugh was being treated for back pain at the Jupiter Outpatient Surgery Center, he signed a pain management contract that required him to get all his drugs from that center and reveal which pharmacy would be filling his prescriptions. That's according to the arrest affidavit. Well, the pharmacy was the Lewis Pharmacy on Palm Beach, owned by Michael Carbone, who was interviewed by investigators in November of 2003. And during an interview, Carbone stated that he became suspicious of Mr. Limbaugh's medication use because of the amount of pain medications that Limbaugh was receiving and the number of doctors that were providing prescriptions for Limbaugh. So there was an investigation after his former housekeeper went to prosecutors in December of 2002 and said that she and her husband had been selling Limbaugh large quantities of hydrocodone, OxyContin, and other prescription drugs for several years. 
So they obtained search warrants and they seized Limbaugh's medical records from four doctors. Now, doctor shopping at the time was punishable by up to five years in prison under Florida law. So he was arrested on Friday, April 29th, 2006, on doctor shopping charges in Palm Beach County, and he agreed to supervision for 18 months while he continued his rehabilitation. So at the time, Limbaugh was 55 and he lived on Palm Beach. His lawyers and prosecutors agreed on the single felony charge and the conservative radio talk show host surrendered to the Palm Beach County Jail late Friday afternoon. He spent less than an hour in custody, was fingerprinted before being released on $3,000 bail. And some sheriff's deputies, PBSO, greeted him and shook his hand. So the agreement required Limbaugh to continue seeing a therapist. He was being treated since he had admitted to his drug addiction to painkillers in October of 2003. And then he entered a month-long treatment program. And it required him to undergo drug testing and pay $30,000 toward the cost of the investigation. That's according to prosecutors. And then if Limbaugh successfully completed the terms of his 18 months of supervision, that felony charge would be dismissed and Limbaugh's record would be clean. So Limbaugh's attorney, the best of the best, Miami's Roy Black, said it's unfair to prosecute anyone addicted to pain medication. And you know what? Roy Black is right. So here is Rush Limbaugh as he returns to the airwaves January 8th, 2015, after completing his drug treatment program. I thought I was going into a treatment center uh, to be treated for an addiction to opiates, to painkillers. And I was, but it's so much more than that. It is about so much more than that. Uh, I tried to treat myself twice for my addiction. I detoxed myself twice and tried to do it by force of will, which is not possible. Uh, this is something someone cannot do alone. So Limbaugh struggled and he made it through on his own, something I have great admiration for anyone who has overcome addiction. He said the whole thing started because he had severe back pain, and so he got hooked on OxyContin as a result. But the pain in his ass continued because he eventually suffered hearing loss. He went completely deaf. I'm deaf. I'm 100% deaf, and I can only hear bionically with these cochlear implants. He says he actually functioned on air. Did his radio show for three months, completely deaf. I don't know how he did it. I did three months, totally deaf. I couldn't get surgery done because I had a, an infection. So three months. So you rely on how your voice feels. Right. And you have to consciously tell yourself, don't. T when you can't hear, you speak up. Right. So you have. And, and they um, they're really were a career saver. Rush did admit that producers would transcribe the caller's comments and he would read them from a computer screen in front of him. The human ear has 35,000 hair cells each. They determine the frequency and the sensitivity of the human hearing. I don't have any. Mine are dead. They laid down and died. Autoimmune. So I have eight man-made bionic electrodes that try to do what 35,000 hair cells do. If I'd lost my hearing 15 years before I did, it had been the end of my career because the tech hadn't been invented. And thank goodness. But the question remained, did his prescription drug problem cause him to lose his hearing or... Was it an autoimmune inner ear disease? Now, research has shown that the drugs seem to sabotage the workings of the inner ear, causing permanent damage. But the drugs do not appear to affect the cochlear nerve, which brings sound into the brain. And Limbaugh's cochlear ear implant doctor is an otolaryngologist at the House Ear Clinic in Los Angeles says it is possible that there is a connection between Limbaugh's sudden hearing loss and pill abuse, but she said there was no way to know for sure. 
Apparently with AIED, your immune system mistakes normal ear tissue for an infection and attacks it. So you could go in and biopsy that area, but that would cause more hearing loss. So you could only do the biopsy during an autopsy after death. So there's really no way to know if it's the painkillers that cause the hearing loss or AIED. She said if painkiller abuse did lead to his deafness, his treatment would have been the same. So he got his first cochlear implant in the year 2001 in the right ear. Then he got a cochlear implant for the left ear in 2014. Meanwhile, I made families a promise that day, a promise that we would work to expose the full truth of what happened and what Purdue and the Sacklers had done. This is happening as I'm recording the podcast. The Massachusetts Attorney General Mara Healy announced today the Sackler family, which owns Purdue Pharma, agreed to pay $4.3 billion in a settlement their own personal money, not the company money, that resolves a three-year-long legal fight against Purdue Pharma in connection with the opioid crisis. And Healy says, we believe this is the most that individuals have ever paid for breaking the law. The Sacklers are paying $4.3 billion of their own money. We believe that's more than any law enforcement agency has collected from an individual in history. All of that money is going to go to abating this crisis, to helping people. In 2019, Purdue Pharma reached a settlement reported to be between 7 to $9 billion with 22 other states and more than 2,000 cities and counties. But Healy opposed that settlement. She argued the Sackler family, which owns Purdue, would not contribute enough of their own fortune under the agreement. So now they must fork over $4.3 billion. She said, additionally, the Sacklers will be permanently banned from the opioid business. Purdue will be sold or wound down by the end of 2024. And the family name can't be placed on any more buildings or hospital wings for a long time. She wants to put an end to their legacy. Sacklers are permanently banned, permanently banned from doing business in the opioid space. Importantly, Purdue will cease to exist. If only Rush were around to hear this wonderful news. Well, that wraps up this episode of Full Rigor. Please check me out on Instagram at Full Rigor Podcast. Subscribe, download, give me a bunch of stars and smiley faces. And also check out my Karen's Crime blog at 850WFTL.com. That wraps up Full Rigor. Until next time.